to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin, and my guest today is a fashion designer, event curator, founder of Ride to the Olympics nonprofit foundation, the co-founder of the first black polo team in the history located at Morehouse University, Mr. Miguel Wilson. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, sir. It's uh, Morehouse College, by the way. Oh, Morehouse College. And, and you know what? I should know better than that because I know one of my one of my freshman teachers graduated from there, so I should know better than that. <laughs> no problem. No problem. First of all, thank you for joining me. And thank you for having me. And just before before we get started, I wanted to say that I've I've been a huge fan of your work. I came across it um, in like I believe in 2018 on Instagram. I love I love the tuxedos. I love the style that you do your clothes in the videos. I'm just a big fan of your work, so it's an honor to have this, so it's an honor to get to talk to you today. No, my pleasure. Thank you, boss. Um, you actually decided to start a luxury brand of clothes. You know, not really t-shirts. You went in a different route. What made you go in that direction? Well, I felt like uh, it kind of multiple purposes. Number one. Um, I know there was a need in the market for um, guys getting something nice for their weddings. Um, you know, and I was at a point where I was kind of reinventing myself and wanted to start, get a fresh start and wanting to establish myself in a way that people would remember me. So when I look at a lot of the other, you know, famous fashion designers, they all generally uh, had some product that they really built their name around. You know, Ralph Lauren around a polo shirt, and Calvin Klein around the jeans and so forth. So for me, I just wanted to identify a, uh, a product that people can attach to my name and instantly think of me when they think of it. So weddings for men was something that, you know, nobody was really doing. So for me, it was um, taking advantage of the opportunity to make guys experience similar to that that women had enjoyed for years. So that prompted me starting the uh, Miguel Wilson wedding collection for men. And then what year did you actually start? Well, I've been doing clothes for 25 years, but um, I really, the last, I restarted several times, uh, but my last restart, the last time I had to hit the restart button, a reset button, it was in 2014. So that's when I kind of went, uh, you know, established the Miguel Wilson collection, the Miguel Wilson wedding collection, and so forth, and uh, been uh, steady pretty much since 2014. Now, because you're dealing with, with, with luxury, like men's fines with tuxedos, suits, and things like that, um, it's not too many people in that field. Were you nervous about going into that into that line? No, I, you know, I've been doing suits for in, in, in luxury type clothing for you know a long time. Um, this was me, and you understand. So I had another another company, other companies prior to that. It's just that you know they operated under other names. This was the first time I kind of branched out and said, you know, I'm gonna use my name and build my brand around me. In my name and not just around the uh the product itself so stepping out and saying you know miguel wilson was uh, a new face but i but i've been on clothes for, for many years at that point so it wasn't you know anything new uh, 
uh, from the clothing standpoint. It was from a from marketing and branding standpoint, though. I was more excited. I, I, I don't think I was, you know, any fear. Just more excited about it. Okay. Because because of the because of the line you did with like finer wear, do you have like a different marketing strategy? Well, I think the thing is, it's not so much about the the product; it's more about the customer. So you know, I think in uh, you know business and marketing, you know, you want to do your marketing around uh, in a way that the customers that you're going after can easily. Have access and see it. So, being that I specialize in weddings, a lot of guys, you know, generally in the, uh, you know, between I guess twenty-seven and forty, and that's a huge, you know, social media uh, influence market. So, that to me, you know, was, was a, a big part of my marketing strategy was going to uh, uh, social media. <laughs> So how does it, because you deal with weddings, like how does it make you feel to know that you're going to be a part of someone's special day, like a day they're going to remember forever? Well, you know, that's a great question. Um, I'm actually very, I feel humble, you know what I mean? Just like the pictures of my clothing are on coffee tables everywhere, you know what I mean? My work is being displayed everywhere. Um, and I'm a big you know, we're a big part of people's most exciting day pretty much in their life up to that point. So I don't take that for granted. And, and, um, you know, also with that comes a lot of responsibility, you know, you gotta be, um, you know, because it is such a big occasion and, and, and so forth for, for our clients, you know, we don't have much room for failure. You know, we have to execute and be excellent at what we do every single time now there's a difference between like a suit off the rack like and then there's that custom fit and you deal with more custom it's a cleaner look everything looks great about it i wanted you to describe the the difference like that like the appearance of a custom suit and a suit that's like off the rack well first of all i'm a fashion designer so i have suits off the rack in my stores so I do offer that, and the thing is that that I guess is different from my suits off the rack and other people's suits is the fit number one and the design. So you know, being a, being a, having a background in custom uh, tailoring and so forth, you know, I do things that um, I incorporate a lot of the uh, value that guys like from custom, you know, and uh, uh, fabric design. You know, I, I guess I, you know, God's blessed me with a particular gift in being able to uh, with style and so forth that a lot of guys really like. Now, you know, if a guy comes in our store and you know, in some cases, you know, particularly doing weddings, guys have a specific look they want, and it's not something we care for. Rack we, we we custom make a lot of stuff for guys getting married, but also just guys, you know, wanting to uh, have a nice suit for sporko. They may have a vision that they trying to pursue and we, and we do those as well the, the thing is yes there's a custom fit and having your suit made to fit your body without you know uh, alterations is something special having your name in your suit is always something special then you have the what i would say custom detail 
you know, certain things that you do in a custom suit that you just don't do or don't have available to you off the rack, such as, you know, functional buttonholes on the sleeves, um, in your name inside the jacket, customized linings. You know, we do a lot of really, you know, average suits off the rack, you open the jacket up and it's usually uh, tone on tone or something basic for the lining. In custom, we do, you know, things that really make the suit stand out. And uh, the top stitching that we do is unique and so forth. So you have a lot more options in, in terms of the pockets, in terms of lapel options, the sizes of the lapel and so forth that uh, you just don't have available when you have enough rack. Now with the with the current like the the fashion trends tend to change. Does that does that change how you custom the suit or that pretty much stays consistent? Oh, definitely the you know, fashion trends. You know, people most guys that come to us, you know, you're spending money, uh they tend to want something, you know, in style, you know, I mean something that looks current. Um, you know, they're guys who, you know, want to keep it somewhat timeless too and you know we just try to keep it to where with something that's you know in date stylish today but still something that you can wear you know five years from now now i've seen pictures of you you're always clean cut and sharp you always got on these great tuxedos so where did you get your your style from oh uh, you know i would say you know my grandfather and my father both of them are you know really um, great dressers. Uh, they have tremendous sense of style, and uh, you know, just uh, you know, they. If you ask them today, both of them would tell you they both dress best better than me now. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, I saw those pictures. Everybody was shops. So I'm not gonna say who was best dressed, but right, right. Well, they, they'll tell you. They, they both, they both think they dress better than me now. So. Look, you know what? I'm not going to disagree with him. I'm not going to yeah. agree with him, but I'm not going to disagree right. with him. <laughs> now, you also, you've probably served in the military as well. Mm -hmm. right. How has that helped you in your everyday business dealings? You know, one big part of, of running a successful business is um, discipline. And, you know, I don't believe anybody can be successful as an entrepreneur if you don't have a certain level of discipline and, and Definitely have that military background if you need that. Uh, and also just the, um, uh, you know, that staying in shape and doing the things that, um, you know, from, from being in the military, all those things have benefited me too because the stress levels that you have running the business can be overwhelming. And, you know, having that access to just some opportunity to get out and, and work out and work that stress off has always been a huge benefit for me. Okay, so you so you're still like physically like you well I can tell, but those who may see you I, you still physically fit like work out and make that a part of your oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Pretty much on a regular basis. Almost every day I work out. Okay. Now at the top of the introduction I mentioned that you were co founder of the first black polo team in history. Mm -hmm. Right. And they were at, at Morehouse College. How did that formation come about? Well, uh, I started a foundation several years ago called Ride to the Olympics. And our purpose is to expose inner city kids to horses and 
uh, opportunities in equestrian sports, such as polo and show jumping and things. Um, the, I created a, a, an event called the uh, Atlanta Fashion and Polo Classic, which is a, you know, a big party uh, fashion show and a polo match. Uh, and the, the tagline is, you know, where, where class and culture connect. So it's, you know, typically speaking, when you look at um, uh, polo luxury type events, it's, it's generally, you know, just, just uh, being frank, yeah, usually white events and not black events or people of, of culture. So, um, yeah, okay, I can hear you. You just fine. Okay, then I, then I have people of cultures. It's, um, so I wanted to do something that was a luxury event that incorporated our culture. So the cultures, the food, the fashion, and the music. So uh, that event has funded, helped to fund the uh, uh, foundation. Uh, I was approached by a young lady whose son was entering Morehouse as a freshman. And she knew I did a big polo event. And she contacted me about her son playing polo, wanted to do something at Morehouse. And we had a meeting, we all joined the side, you know, and just put together a polo team. And so today that is now reality. He was able to go to campus and uh, recruit some uh, some uh, three other kids, uh, mind you, that did not ride horses. And uh, we were able to get them riding lessons and polo lessons. And, you know, now, now they're all playing. Wow, that's a, that's a different, <laughs> that's definitely a different sport. Um, were, were were you exposed to it? I'm assuming you play or yeah, I'm a polo player. How did you get exposed to polo? That's just so. Different. I grew up as a, I grew up riding horses as a kid. I fell in love with going to camp. I grew up in Washington D.C., but I went to a camp. Fell in love with horses, and one thing that it afforded me that my friends did not is the ability to go out to the country on the weekends and you know work at the barn and and, and get a chance to ride. And, and, and more importantly, get away from the stresses of living, you know, in the inner city, you know, where you have, you know, just the challenges that, you know, other kids are, aren't, aren't even aware of. You know, when I was a kid, my mother told me we were moving to Maryland. And I, and she said, we're moving to Maryland in 30 days. And I never forget my response was, I got to survive for 30 more days. To move to get to, to, out to Maryland because you know it was a, a fear of of being murdered as a kid, hmm. you know, from the neighborhood I grew up. So um, that exposure also led me to be a prolific reader because I couldn't ride horses every day, so I spent a lot of time in the library getting all the horse books and so forth. So I just feel like that that whole passion. And exposure changed the, the direction and course of my life. And the foundation, I feel, can do the same for other kids. Wow. Just because it's so different, like, you know, we, you know, let, let's be honest, in our communities, everything gravitates towards sport. Well, the basketball, the football, right. you know, things like that. So you don't hear too many stories about polo like people being exposed to polo and actually taking right. a serious liking to it so that's right because the main thing is, is, is an, it's an expensive sport and you know it's 
it's not something, you know, it's for the affluent. I mean, it's something that, you know, it takes a lot of money to do. So um, most, you know, kids in, in, in the city don't have access to the horses or the instruction. So it's, it's not even an opportunity. But I think when you take these same kids and you bring them out to a polo match and they're able to meet people that are in polo, they are the people who also sit on boards of companies. They're also the same people that own companies and have opportunities, you know, with educational situations and so forth that, um, you know, through the relationship can easily transfer and benefit the kids uh, that come out to the, to the events. So would it be safe to say because you grew up interacting with different cultures, different people, that later on as you grew up, it helped you with your networking skills and network better? You know, I, I went to junior, I went to school pretty much in all black schools for the majority of my life growing up. I even went to HBCUs. So I really didn't, didn't get exposed in a great deal. And growing up at the barn on weekends so forth, yeah, I did, you know. But, but you know, it was, I still was intimidated by white people. I grew up in an environment where, um, you know, the books we read was about Dick and Jane living in these nice houses and everything they did was great and beautiful. And, you know, everything on TV, you know, showed white people living their best life. And here I am living, you know, in the hood with gunshots going off all the time. And so it was, it was a clear division that I'm not like them and they're not like us. And it was also, you know, me not understanding anything about really, you know, who I was and so forth. So growing up, it was, there was, you know, I think I had a real lack of confidence, but also feeling inferior. So even though I was around the white kids and so forth, I don't think I felt equal to them. And, um, you know, the one thing, can you hear me? Yeah. So the one thing I think that, uh, you know, as I, you know, I graduated college and I got it, you know, and I got a job. It, I think over time, just certain things just built the confidence over time. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen. Just, it was just, I, I had overcome a lot of inferior thinking to get to a point where I felt confident and, you know, uh, like equal. At what age do, would you say that when you do you felt like you 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 started to feel like you belong, like you were you were equal? Well, I think you know in college, uh, where you know I went to black college and I went to Bowie State in Maryland for four years, and then I went to uh, Clark Atlanta University, graduated from there. I only went there one year, but I did get my degree from there. Hey, that's um, all that matter. <laughs> but that process, you know, I think of of being around the professors and, and, you know, was, was a healing process for me. Going to HBCU was a healing process. Being around so many intelligent, uh, motivated people of, of color was like, wow, you know, I mean, this was a different experience. And I think it also, I started reading more books around, you know, black history and, you know, Malcolm X and, and so forth that, um, you know, enlightened me to, you know, why, why I felt the way I felt, you know, like literally 
you've been put into a situation to where you were made to feel inferior. It's not, it wasn't by accident you felt this way. It was, it's a, it's a systemic process, you know, that um, a lot of kids in, in the cities grow up, they don't feel, you know, the, 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 the it, it's built into our system. You know, that's why so many black young men go to jail, built into our system for a certain percentage of them to go to jail. Yeah, it's it's definitely a it's definitely a system thing, and like even even till it's dead, like we're probably always gonna be fighting it. Um, I know personally, I had to go through it, and then, like you said, you had to go through it, and just you know dealing with feeling inferior and things like that. I never was in the business realm like you were, so you know I, I can't relate to that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But it's just great to see that you were able to like you know, go to school and like go to college and find yourself as a man and develop that confidence that you needed to become who you are today. Mm-hmm. I wanted to close with with a clothing question. Okay. When you see people with your clothes, with your, you know, with your men's wear, the fine clothes that you producing, what do you, what do you want to, what is, what's on your mind? What do you want to come to their mind when they see your clothes? Well, you know, I specialize in wedding attire for men. And I built my brand. You know, I've done a lot of clothes for a lot of people all around the world for a variety of occasions. But I would tell you that grooms have created my um, celebrity, if you will. You know what I mean? Where people know me. Um, so I owe, you know, guys who have chosen me to wear my clothes for their biggest day, you know, as well, um, I have a tremendous amount of gratitude to. So for me, it ain't about, it's, it's several things. So one, I think it's a certain amount of excitement I know a man will have in that room when he's with his buddies, they all getting dressed and he has that bag up hanging and that, beautiful wood hanger it says Miguel Wilson on it and inside of it is something that, that was a creation that he and I jointly came together and personalized and let him put his touch on it. and when his buddy when he's unzipped that bag and all his friends and him say man wow that is amazing that to me is a moment to be celebrated but the but the biggest moment for me and I this is why when women 80% of the, my grooms come to me from the brides. Women send their men to me because mostly women follow me and they want their fiance to have, you know, an incredible wedding experience. And they tell them, this is the man you need to go get your, your tuxedo from and he gonna make it special. My tagline is because it's his day too. And so, um, uh, so one of the one of the things that I think about is the moment when that guy's at the altar and that woman walks down and sees him for the first time looking better than he's ever looked in life. When I see that tear come down, I know I did my job. <laughs> that's a that's the best way we could close this interview. I 
I truly, truly thank you for taking the time to do this again. You know, sometimes you talk to people, but you don't always get to talk to people who you truly admire their work. So it's been an honor to talk to somebody that I admire their work and I've been following for a couple of years. So I thank you for taking the time to do this. And we thank you for taking the time to recognize me and using your platform to uh, share my story and share my brand and so forth. Brother, I wish you all the best. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, sir. Let me put this in the atmosphere because I, I truly believe that I'm going to be what, what God wants me to be and at a high level. And I want to make sure that when when the world see me, I got on a Miguel Wilson tuxedo. Hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have no other way, my brother. So Thank you. Put, let me put that in the atmosphere right now. Hey, <laughs> I, I, look, I I received that and, 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 I, and I count it done. Thank you, brother. Um, thank right, you man. all for listening, and especially thank you to all my sponsors, uh, First Gen Fly, First for Chain, and sorry, First Gen Fly and Chain Entertainment. You all have a great day.